Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. It is officially summer. At least it is in my mind. I don't know. I think maybe it's sometime in, someday in June, right? But <laughs> as as of the movie that I just saw, summer's here. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the way that I would put it. We are we are definitely school wise, movie wise, kind of temperature wise. It's not really that warm yet, but I'm not going to complain about that. It's been but, come uh, and go a lot. And Josh, I got to yeah. say something that I've loved with this summer season because of your free time and everything and all your adventures. <laughs> I have loved your uh, photography posts so oh, thank you. much. No, they've been like beautiful photos and just like all the stories with them and everything with. Whether it's like someone you're visiting, some place you're going, like it's been really fun to follow. So nice. Well, I I look forward to adding to the collection um, once I recover from my current disease. Which did wow. I tell you guys? I told Mark. <laughs> oh no, you told I'm get, me. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting over COVID. So uh, hopefully, oh, no. if if that if that explains my why my voice sounds a little more husky than usual. Um, no, it, it's it's been it's been the watered down 2022 version of of COVID, but uh, annoying enough that I'm I'm kind of ready to get out there and take pictures or see movies or just enjoy the rest of the world. So, um, but let's uh, let's let's talk some news, Danny. What do you got for us? Um. Well, I mean, biggest thing that's going around is just you know to continue on with the battle of the streaming services. We got Stranger Things Season 4 and Kenobi released on the same day, I believe, right? That was a heck of a day. Yeah. No, and it was so funny, too, because I it felt so intentional because it, you know, everyone was like, I have to make this choice of what do I see first? And, like, yeah. you know, do I binge it? Do I just take things in little bits, you know? And um, it, it's been kind of interesting hearing the, the varied responses not just in reactions, but also in the viewing habits. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's been very, very fascinating. Um, well, I mean, this is this is a discussion that we're going to have it at more length in a in a very soon to come episode. Absolutely. Um, but but just because you've mentioned that, the first the first thing that I would point out is like in ter- in terms of pacing and you know how much do I watch at one time and all this. Stranger Things, like every single episode is over an hour long and most of them are closer to an hour and a half. Like, because I, you know, because I'm still working my way through. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. But when I first sat down, I thought, oh, you know, I'm probably going to watch I'm going to tell myself that I'm going to watch two. I'm really probably going to wind up watching three or four. And then I look at the running times. It's, oh, crap. (laughs) Maybe I will just watch two and I'll be up really late doing it. I, so, I wondered about that because we started the first one last night and I saw that it was about an hour 18 or so. And I thought, yeah. oh, they must have an extended pilot. Not really a pilot, but a season opener. Right. And then, uh, but I didn't know they were all like that. I mean, I, mean, I yep. guess <laughs> might as well just watch Lord of the Rings or the Godfather trilogy <laughs> or something if you've got the time, you know? <laughs> it's just kind of an even trade off, right? You can either watch The Godfather or Stranger Things. I mean, they're yeah. pretty equivalent. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So no, but that I'm I'm looking forward to talking about about uh, both of those really because mm. there's there's plenty to plenty to address, but uh, uh, not not just in in terms of lengthy content, but just lots of thoughts and things to say. So we'll look forward to that. Um, now I and, and that's and honestly that's one of the reasons I feel like it's summer is like when those when that stuff hit, it just mm. kind of felt like you know the uh, the fire hose was turned on in my face and. Mm-hmm. 
off we go with the summer. Um, sadly, I'm going to have to bring up a negative bit of news, um, which is also something that I want to talk about more extensively in another episode because it is uh, certainly worthy. Um, I don't know if you guys have paid attention or what you what you follow online or any kind of thing like that, but uh, uh, a couple of beloved businesses that are movie related have run into trouble. Um, I, I assume that it's trouble that's causing this. The the Motorview Drive-In, Coleman's Motorview up in Ogden, uh, is no longer going to be showing movies, which no. just breaks my heart. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, last I saw on their Facebook page, they're still going to be doing swap meet and stuff for right now, but they have no plans to, to do movies uh, at the moment. Um, and then this one isn't a, a Utah film uh, establishment per se, but it's close enough. Um, the Spud Drive-In up in uh, Driggs, Idaho, kind of southeastern Idaho, not too far from Rexburg. Uh, they are not permanently closed, but they will not be doing this movies this year because a windstorm blew their screen over. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, and so when they went to evaluate how much it was going to cost to repair them and to get it back up, they just realized we're not going to be able to pull it off in you know this year. So so their Facebook, Facebook page says that they're going to be back in 2023, and hopefully that's the case because – that's actually a bucket listed item of mine. Uh, I still haven't been able to go see a, a drive-in movie up in up in Driggs yet, but I've always wanted to go see something at the Spud. And I don't know. I I don't, I don't know if you guys kind of have the same uh, the same affection or the same background, but I always will have a soft spot for drive-in movies, and I I don't want to see them go away. This breaks my heart. That's hard. I like them too. It felt like they were making a comeback with COVID because it's like you know you're all in your car and right. And right. so that was something that was, like, coming back around. But I'm with you because that's what um, summer film season, like, that's what I think of, too, is, like, you know, a couple exactly. of months after yes. a release, you go see the big blockbuster in a drive, drive-in. drive And, oh, mm-hmm. that makes me so sad. Yeah. No, that's that's why I say it. Like, I, we, we're going to do, you know, once we take care of our special soundtrack episode, which we have gotten, like, on the verge of recording. <laughs> we we, we almost did. Yeah, we were just too tired that night to do two episodes. Yeah. Um, no, uh, we're, you know, uh, unless you guys object, I really, really would love to do a drive-in themed episode because that oh. is just a special, special, uh, um, happy to say that the one that I spent the most of my childhood attending, uh, the Redwood drive-in is still going strong. And uh, that, uh, you know, so that, that gives me some hope and encouragement, but... We can we can come back to this topic with a little more a little more time and preparation. But I did think it was newsworthy to mention the struggles of a couple yeah. of beloved establishments. So so we give you our best and and hope that uh, hope that Spud comes back and and if there's some way for Motorview to turn it around, that would be a, a nice thing to have in Ogden still. I always worry about that with the drive-in theaters because. They already were struggling for years, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. even before the movie theater, even before streaming, you know, became right. a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've got some pretty good memories, too. Yeah, that would be fun to do sort of a drive-in or maybe like non-traditional but old-fashioned movie viewing, uh, you know, episode. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I, I have a good memory of uh, seeing Batman with my uncle and his Dotson nice. at a drive-in theater. The 1989 <laughs> version. You know, yeah, so yeah, 
it was it was quite fun. It was like such a cool treat to be able to go with him and um, but, uh, yeah, seen seen a lot of interesting movies and drive-ins. Fourteen oh eight. I don't know if you remember that John Cusack yeah. horror film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now they didn't have a. Do they have a drive-in out towards Vernal? Yeah, no, um, I, I was just thinking, because you're bragging it up, like the one that I frequented <laughs> as a youth. And then I'm thinking, like, the one Come on, we had don't, in... don't be so mean and jealous. You know, <laughs> the one we had in Vernal, I loved. And, like, especially, like, it was w- during those, like, teenage days where it's, like, we were about to get cars or we got cars of our own and, you know, just, like, going out and going to see a movie and, like, you know, maybe cuddling under a blanket or something like that. You know, like... Teenage stuff, right? And so I have like so many fond memories of that sort of phase, right? And um, no, that one, that one burned down, or at least um, oh no, the um, they're kind of like shack sort of thing. And again, it was another one of those situations yeah. where it wasn't worth the cost to right. fix it up. So um, that one made me very, very sad. I'll bet. I imagine the margins on those places have to be so tight, right. you know, with the with the the property values and the taxes and all that. So, well, and that I was think, another uh, thing is like you know selling the land was just so profitable. I think there's a Walmart there now or something like that. Maybe a Lowe's, you know, like they oh made God, bank. That's so tragic. I know. <laughs> oh, sorry guys, I did I didn't mean to put such a negative. And I was excited <laughs> for this episode too. So thanks a lot. Maybe 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 we should move on then, since uh, definitely have some some more upbeat things to talk about. Um, We really only have one movie to talk about, and there really is only one movie to talk about right now, and uh, and and one dude who's connected to that movie that we're going to talk about as well. But uh, let's jump in head first and talk about the signature movie of the summer so far. Mm, maybe I don't know. I don't know if anything's gonna upend it. But let's talk about Top Gun Maverick. All three of us have seen it. What did you guys think? Uh, I I love this movie. I thought it was just it's such a perfect summer movie. I mean it's it's big and fast and but also it's very drama oriented. It's a dramatic. Mm-hmm. I'd almost call it an action drama. Yeah. Um, and I I you know I. We talk about fan service, and I noticed that when the word fan service, the phrase fan service is used, is it's often negative. It's a negative connotation. And I feel like there's some fan service in this movie, especially in the first third or so. And it's not negative at all. Like, it's no. just, it's like good nostalgia, you know? It's, right. And, and it's almost like, hey, we, um, I actually heard an interview with the director, Joseph Kaczynski, um, who's worked with Tom Cruise before in Oblivion, and he's like, we wanted to let the fans know that we like this movie. We like the original movie, too, and <laughs> we are not shying away from that, and we're welcoming them. It's like, we want. he said something like, we want to wrap our arms around the fans, and that's why they open it the way they did, where it's yeah. almost an exact, like, shot-for-shot remake oh, of gosh, right at the beginning. Makes sense. The so now, Danny, Danny, you said that you just rewatched the original in preparation so did the opening of Maverick it, it was, jump out to you? Yeah, like what Mark said, it was like shot for shot, and then there were just a lot of beats where it's like, oh, here he does something reckless. Oh, he's getting in trouble, but oh, you know, things are turning around. <laughs> you know, it was very mm-hmm. much beat for beat, kind of the same. But I like how, Mark, you said that with fan service, because I feel like it's what the word actually means, like service. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's 
serving the fans. It's um, respectful. It's very giving. It's very thoughtful. And um, so it never, ever felt cheap. It felt just, you know, that kind of, like, warm hug of returning. And, like, I didn't even feel nostalgic. Like, even though I saw it super recently, the the, the original, um, um, it, it and, and I don't necessarily care for it. I don't have all these, like, emotions tied to it. But, like, made me feel so happy. I just, I loved that so much. Um, and, and, you know, once we kind of explain the story a little more and we go into more details, I just think they made so many good choices with this movie. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm with you, Josh. I don't think anything's going to top this one as far as like blockbusters. It's going to be a challenge. It's, it's yeah. so yeah. good. It's so well, good. And, and Danny, I, I love the way that you pointed out that it made you happy <laughs> because I think, I think that was what that was one of the big takeaways, right? Yeah. We knew this was going to be over the top action. It's going to be Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise, you know, and, and we, you know, I think we knew going in that there was going to be a good deal of nostalgia and stuff. And if it had just been about the nostalgia, if it had just been about the fan service, mm. we probably, it would have been okay. Yeah. It would have been fine. But the reason this is such a good movie is because it's a good movie and yes. because it backs up that fan service with the joy of just kind of Mark said, you know, it's a a pure summer action escapist hero movie. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, uh, like you said, Danny, we should probably give a little bit of background on it before we get too carried away. Um, I mean, the the plot picks up the, the story of the original film. Um, Well, I mean, it's coming out in 2022 was supposed to come out in 2020 but based on the ages of certain characters and the way things are lined up, I'm guessing that this has taken place like around 2010 because <laughs> uh, for, for, well, for reasons that will come clear in a second. Um, so we have uh, Pete Maverick Mitchell, who is Tom Cruise's character, and he was the, the hotshot pilot of the first movie back in the mid 80s. And uh, when we when we meet him now, he is in, you know, middle aged and he's still a captain and he's a test pilot because he's just so uh, rebellious that he he can't progress, right? He can't get advancement. He can't really move on with his career. Uh, he's just kind of confined himself to being, you know, to living up to his call sign, right? To being Maverick. And so he's in this condition or in this situation when the the Navy comes up with this, this bombing mission that uh, uh, kind of, did a wink wink description of it in the, in my review of, you know, it's an impossible mission, right? They've got this impossible bombing run they're supposed to go on, Mm -hmm. um, which was, I guess my lame attempt to do some kind of a Tom Cruise pun. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, so they, they have like this in, you know, this impossible mission that they have to pull off and, and they have to train a group of pilots to, to do this. And of course there's nobody better suited to train them than Tom Cruise, you know, Pete Mitchell, the, legend of Maverick. And so he gets called back to the Top Gun training facility because uh, that's the name of the training facility, right? Top Gun refers to this uh, this school in, I think it was the San Diego area where these, right. these you know, crack pilots are, are trained. And so the basic idea of this story is that he has to train these pilots and prepare them for this, this mission. Um, of course, things are more complicated than that because one of the pilots who is a candidate is the son of Goose, his former, what do you call, I mean, what do you call the guy who rides it? He's not your co-pilot. If he, he's riding with you in the F, F-16, the F-14. Was it like a navigator? 
I'm, you know, I don't even know. I'm, I'm not even sure. But he died flying with Maverick oh. in the first movie. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched the first movie. So his son, played by Miles Teller, is one of these up-and-coming hotshot pilots, and he has some understandably uh, tense relations uh, with Maverick. And so, so that's a factor. Um, you've got a former love interest, played by Jennifer Connelly. Uh, John Hamm kind of steps into some kind of a weird combination of like the Tom Skerritt role from the first one where he's like the, you know, because he's not really a mentor like Tom Skerritt's character was. He's more of kind of like the obligatory. He's almost more like the Strickland guy from Back to the Future. Uh -huh. He's just like, and I don't even remember his Top Gun character name, but he's like, he's the bald principal from Back to the Future who also <laughs> plays effectively the same character in Top Gun, who is just there to agitate <laughs> Right. I'm just thinking the if he had character. taken Maverick and been all like, you're a slacker and you'll always you're be a slacker. slacker. <laughs> <laughs> he could have totally said that. Well, it would have fit. I, I just <laughs> given him a late slip. I, I think he's an interesting <laughs> character because I feel like his role in the movie, I mean, if you notice, and, and I don't think this is really a big spoiler, but like, it's like the, the first movie, the villain, the, the, the enemy nation or whatever is never really named. Like, right. there's no name. There's no, and, and you know, Top Gun is almost like overtly apolitical. They're they're not yeah. trying to be controversial at all. That's part of being yeah. the summer blockbuster thing. It's, not being it's like very a, yeah, it's very pro America, but not anti anybody else. Right, yeah. exactly. And and so I feel like with that character, like okay, he's kind of supposed to be the villain, and we're supposed to like he's he's there to keep Maverick from doing Mavericky things. You know, like that seems <laughs> to be his whole goal, right? And and so we're not really supposed to like him. I love John Hamm, so I didn't really oh, even dislike great. him that much in the movie. But I, you know, he never he can never even like have a huge smile. Like he, he's always kind of got this scowl, <laughs> and he has to be telling you know. And he has a lot of great lines, but he's oh, it's yeah. always about like stopping Maverick from uh, from <laughs> stepping out of out of line yeah. and and yeah. you know. Um, anyway, well, yeah. and, and I think and this is one of the things that I think makes the movie so effective. Because you almost get the sense that, you know, because as they're training for this mission, they lay it out very clearly and they kind of have to imitate what they're going to do overseas in the local, you know, San Diego area. And it's almost like the mission is the bad guy because it is so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I keep coming back to these same terms, mission and impossible, which seems corny, but like, that's yeah. just the way I'm describing it. And it's, it's so well constructed and well executed the way that they describe what they're going to have to do and how they're going to handle it and how it's going to be so difficult to, you know, to train for it and, you know, it, let alone succeed. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so I almost, I almost feel like that's the bad guy, right? Because mm -hmm. like you say, Mark, they don't really say that, Oh, it's, it's nation ABC that is right. out there. And, you know, we, we don't know why they're, they're a threat. You know, there's, there's just some target out there that I think, I think that they're, it might be like it's some kind of a, a uranium lab. or something. Yeah, like a uranium mine yeah. or something like that. But but all that stuff is very you know they give you just enough to know that it's a threat, but not enough to be distracted from the idea that you know these half dozen pilots have to go do you know this, then they have to do this, then they have to do this, and you know they have a one in a thousand shot of succeeding. Mm -hmm. and, well, that's and, kind of that drama that Mark was talking about is like, you know, yeah. when you do oh, yeah. have that, you know, when the, I don't know, I don't know, physical threat 
isn't really focused on. It's all about the internal struggles. It's all about them, yeah. you know, meeting this task that is just insurmountable, right? And so, mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, really when it comes to, I'm glad you pointed out John Hamm, because, like, I think each of the characters were just handled so well where, like, that's where it was engaging. That's where, you know, the real meat of the story was. Yeah. No, it was it was surprisingly intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I expected it to be good, yeah. right? Because I'd already heard, you know, vibes that, oh, this is going to be really good and, you know. I did not expect it to be as intense and and well executed yeah. as as it was. And mm-hmm. and one of the things that jumped out to me, um, because as, as you can imagine, I mean, there's there's a lot of flight footage and you know stunt work and cram- camera work and stuff. And Absolutely. I'm just watching this movie, thinking, how do they do this? Right. I oh. mean. Because yeah. even even down to the like the film grain, right? It looks like oh, an older movie. It's so good. Like it it looks like it was filmed a year after the original Top Gun. It's so mm-hmm. pretty. Just it it doesn't it doesn't there is no obvious CGI work where you're just no. kind of well I'm accepting this because I'm watching a movie in 2022 therefore it will have CGI. You just watch this and it feels. I mean I don't want timeless to be kind of overstating things, but in the sense that it doesn't feel rooted in a particular year, namely ours, it felt timeless. It really did feel like it felt real. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it's, it's amazing because, um, so the filming of it, it, one thing that I, I, I learned, and this is what I learned from the interview with the director so he and Bruckheimer went to uh, Paris to, to talk with Tom Cruise about this idea. Basically, Bruckheimer, Jerry Bruckheimer, who's the producer of the original as well, um, he sent a script to uh, Joseph Kaczynski, and, and, and then he, he said, yeah, like, I, I want to do this. And, and they said, we, you know, obviously they have to go talk to Tom Cruise. And basically he said they flew all the way to Paris. They got a half hour of his time. They met in like a hotel, like a conference room or a hotel room somewhere. And they basically said, look, I think they might have even showed him on YouTube, but they said, there are Navy fighter pilots who have these GoPro cameras, and they get this amazing footage. And you can pull it up for free right now on YouTube. And if he goes, this is what we're going to do. There's no point in making this movie. There's no point. We have to go above and beyond this. And, of course, Tom Cruise, who is, like, always taking risks, always taking things to the next level. He's so passionate. He's very interested. And what they end up doing, I don't think they talked about this at the time, but what they end up doing is... They put six IMAX cameras in the cockpit of, of a Navy fighter, a Navy a, a, a yeah. jet, basically. Yeah. And what they did is they have each actor paired with a naval aviator, with a with a with a, a pilot, basically, who's dressed the same as the actor. And they have cameras in front of them and behind them, and they have over the shoulder cameras. So sometimes they're showing older the shoulder cameras of the actual pilot, but you think it's the actor. Yeah. Um, and what they do is they, they go up and they, they actually go up and they fly and they fly super fast and they fly as low as they can to get the mountains in the background. And the director couldn't direct him while he's up there. There's no live feed. He basically right. just tells him like, <laughs> you, go, uh, you go up there, you turn on the camera, you call, it's almost like you call the action and you just do this stuff. And they only have usually about two hours a day of this. And then they come back down and they review the footage. They put it on a big screen and they say, hey, do it again and do this or we can you know, next time do this. And they go through and sort of rehearse everything. And he said they got about 800 hours of footage. 
usually in a day, like what they would get is a few seconds of usable footage. Yeah. And wow. it was a ton of work. And the Navy, that's part of the reason these movies are so like pro-American, almost pro-military, is <laughs> like that's part of the deal is that the Navy lets these filmmakers use these jets and give them some, I don't want to say like insider info, but like, I, you know, they kind of have script approval, which is a little odd, but they also get the benefit of the best pilots in the world and the fastest jets and the real thing like oh, now, now wait a minute so is that is that why our gas prices are really so high <laughs> is because they used it all up shooting top gun two years yeah ago. that's probably they use all this expensive fuel <laughs> shooting it and, yeah uh, i don't know I, I do have to argue with you a little bit with the whole like you know being so pro navy just for and i know you're not saying this but um I, I just kind of to make a point against it a little bit where, you know, I don't think it was just pro USA, pro Navy, um, because that's who they were working with. I mean, I think it would have been so disrespectful to the characters that wouldn't have made a good story if they weren't pro mm -hmm. all these things. So yeah. I, I just, I have to make that right. point, but oh my goodness, that is incredible. I have been wondering oh, how yeah. on earth did they make this? And that totally makes sense. And, like, I knew it would yeah. have to be something just insane um, because, like, oh, my goodness, it, it does look so, so good. And it's going to age so well. And I talk about, like, how, you yeah. know, the worth of a movie is in the rewatchability. And this is a movie that I will come back to because it's going to age well mm -hmm. and it's good and it's enjoyable. And, and something that's crazy that it was that much footage because something that I was so impressed by that I hadn't seen in really any action movie, especially not with planes before, is that it, it, it feels very choreographed in a way where as a viewer, I can understand, I can follow where each plane is and what they're exactly. seeing and what's going on. Because yep. most of the time in an action movie, it's kind of just a mess. And it's like, oh yeah, they're going to be yeah. fighting. There's going to be yep. this. But it's so, and, and maybe this is because like the mission is so laid out that you know mm -hmm. what it's going to look like. I'm sure that's, yeah, no, and that's that might be part of it. Yeah, it's so integral right. to the plot, and it makes it so easy to follow, but it's so smart. Mm -hmm. But it, it requires all those hours of footage to make sure that you're stitching together the right shot so it has that continuity, yeah. right? Yeah, that's insane. I agree. Absolutely yeah, they, they Wow. One of my pet peeves in action sequences is when they're confusing. Yeah. And, and because sometimes, sometimes a plot or a subplot or a character's motivation can be confusing enough, but when you see an action sequence, which should be like sort of like the basis level of storytelling of like, okay, how does this contribute to the story? What's going to happen between these two characters? It's going to lead them to the next thing. And then you can't even, like you're trying to watch the screen and you don't realize, you don't even know what just happened, mm -hmm. unless that's maybe the point of that particular one. That always bugs me. And I never got the feeling in that in this movie that they... They did that. They always made sure that you knew where you were in the air, yeah. who was flying what. They had, I mean, one thing that helped, because like, like one of my complaints, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down, no. but it's yeah. so hard to tell those people apart, those pilots and soldiers. <laughs> like a lot of yeah. times you're watching the movie and you're like, wait, is that Josh Hartnett or is that another guy? And you can't tell who's who. And in this movie, they have their their call names, yeah, their call right, signs on right. their helmets, yeah. so you know who it is, <laughs> yeah. right? And um, and they have a well, pretty... and they're and they're clearly defined characters too, right? Right. You know, exactly. not, not, a, not all dozen of them, not all twelve uh -huh. of them, but the main characters, you you know, I mean, this isn't fantastic depth, but 
you know who they are. Yeah. You know who and, they are, right. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I mean, is that, you know, as, as much as people are going to get the feels from the nostalgia with this movie, and I'm going to talk about that more in a second, mm-hmm. it's the quality of this thing that really is making it succeed. Absolutely. Because you could, you could take the nostalgic cues and references out, and this would still be a fantastic action movie. Mm-hmm. A very, I would almost say kind of a throwback, kind of classic hero action movie in, in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but it's that, it's that execution that you're talking about. It's, it's Danny, the way that they are, you know, describing things and preparing the viewer in a way that they can follow things mm-hmm. and are not just being lost in a, in a confusing mess of, you know, on-screen mayhem. Yeah, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and yet the action is not my favorite part. My mm. favorite part of this movie is a scene between two guys, one of whom is not even talking. And and I don't want to I don't know how much I can go into because I mean it's it is and is not a spoiler. Like this isn't going to be a spoiler to anybody who's kind of been paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um and so but I'm I'm still going to be kind of kind of vague and you guys will know exactly what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I yeah. I think I know um, who you're talking about. Absolutely beautiful but, and I totally agree with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there is, there is an interaction between two primary characters that would be kind of cool in the context of the movie by itself, but because of what it connects to in our honest to goodness, real life, Mm -hmm. uh, just makes it awesome. Just such a great, a great moment. (laughs) That's the thing is like, you can tell that so much thought was put into this movie where it's like. They knew what they would have to achieve to make this movie so good as a sequel, as an action film, as a drama, with all the people mm-hmm. who are involved. Like, there's just so much thought, but especially that, especially with the um, emotional beats, with each of the characters, it was, oh, but that scene in particular. I don't know anyone yeah. who wasn't tearing up in the theater, and we had a packed theater, but like. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> tough. That was tough. But it was good. And what's, what's interesting, though. And what's interesting, though, and I almost I know now that I'm thinking out loud and talking about this, I'm wondering if there was some intent behind this. But in order to appreciate that scene, you kind of have to have seen a documentary that came out last year that wasn't originally intended to come out before the movie mm-hmm. because the movie has mm-hmm. been on hold for two years. I almost wonder if they've been holding on to the movie for a couple of years for that reason. And I mean, not, not that exclusively, true. obviously. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think COVID had something to do with it. Right. But, mm-hmm. but the, the order of events has lined up in such a way that this, this really has kind of turned into a special thing kind of outside and kind of beyond the movie itself. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're speaking in such circles and generalities well, here. That anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. I, yeah. No, it'll be very clear. I also like how like Miles Teller's look is perfect for being the son of Anthony he Edwards. Such and a good Meg cast call. Oh my god. He's gosh. got the mustache and he's tan oh, and he's like, yeah. He's playing the piano and singing, and it's just so like they did such He's a great the job. My gosh! Well, well even I his mean, like profile, because he kind of has like a little bit of a flat face, a lot like Goose. Like, I mean, honestly, that was kind of perfect. And Miles Teller is yeah. just—I think he's really, really, really good. Um, kind oh, of yeah. underappreciated, I think. And and he, this role, he just—oh man, the way he delivered it, but also just looking the part, so good. He has, yeah, he has one of the most devastatingly just 
tragic scenes I've ever seen in any movie. And have you ever seen Only the Brave? He, oh, yes. That's the same director, Joseph Kaczynski. So he got to did work he with him that? again. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Okay. He did that. And Jennifer Connelly's in that as well. So he got to work with her no, again. I, I interviewed both of them for that movie. Oh. I, no, because I, I wasn't going to bring it up. But if it's now that you mentioned that Kaczynski directed it. Yeah. No, I, I did phone interviews in connection with that movie, which is about a, a group of wildland firefighters based on a true story. Really, really incredible you know, movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I interviewed Jennifer Connelly and Miles Teller uh, as part of the, you know, the little telephone junket that they were, that they were doing. Um, but I didn't, I didn't realize that Kaczynski had directed that one as well. I guess I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense. Wow. Uh, it he, yeah. It, it was funny because the, the interview I was hearing, listening to him earlier was about how he, he has some form of flight or flying machines somehow in all of his movies. <laughs> and he didn't realize that, but he's like, yeah, I mean, I was, I was building pretty complex remote control airplanes in high school. He's always been interested in that. So this was the this ultimate. And he had to be ready. Like, this couldn't be his first movie, obviously. He had to be, like, prepared and do a bunch of other movies. Yeah. Right, he did Tron right. Legacy. He did Oblivion. Okay. He did only – there's some drone – there's some flight stuff in, in, uh, in only the uh, – I want to say only the lonely. Only the brave. Only the brave, And yeah. so um, – but, yeah. Well, let's see – and that's and that's and that's why I alluded earlier to the idea that I think that the timing, you know, I, I guess it's okay if we kind of segue a little bit into some of the negatives because it wasn't a perfect movie. Um, Excuse you? How dare if you? you <laughs> <laughs> the, our own version of the Twitter mob. Um, no, uh, because I was I'm like adding this up in my head and I'm thinking okay. So the first movie is like 1986 and, and Goose's son is obviously alive before Goose dies. Mm-hmm. So that means that he would have had to have been born in the mid eighties, which means that, you know, and, cause that's now like what, 35, 36, 37 years ago, pretty sure Miles Teller's character isn't pushing 40. So, uh, yeah. this, uh, you know, cause so I, because I don't think he's necessarily a, a brand new pilot. But there's no way he's over 30. So here's the thing. Because there's this whole plot about how his career was pushed back. And, like, Miles Teller is getting older. So I thought that was actually totally fine. Right. So F- Four years. Four years, <laughs> not well, 15. And also, you wonder, too, like, does it ever say what year the movie is supposed to take place? I don't think right. so. No, it, it doesn't. Something like 30 years later. Yeah. Because of, like, with the, the delays and everything, now we're technically at 36, but I think it's supposed to be 33. In fact, it was supposed to come out in 2019. That was the yeah. initial release date, but then they had yeah. to reshoot a bunch of really complex mm. scenes, and they pushed it to 2020, and then COVID pushed it two years. So I, I kind of wonder if he – I mean, it still is a long time. I mean, I'm it was still going to right, be 30-something years. I'm still right. I don't know. <laughs> it, Wait, how old is how old is Rooster in the original in Top Gun? Do you remember? Like uh, two or one? Oh or? no no no! He's yeah, like he's he's got it because he's just he's like an infant. No. Oh oh, that's right. You're right. He's singing. He's a little boy. He's like five or six. Yeah or no, something. like so, yeah, yeah, he's popped right. up on the piano in the flashback and everything. Like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. not that again because the movie presents itself in a very timeless way. It doesn't really doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah. Well, and and maybe this kind of is a way of leading around to. The point that we can all agree on, which is that Tom Cruise, it's amazing that he's doing what he is doing. I mean, I, I looked it up before we before we recorded. Uh, in about a month, the dude's going to turn sixty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Tom Cruise yeah. is going to be 60 years old. Crazy. And, you know, good good for him. <laughs> yeah, that I, is, that, that's really... He, he's amazing. I wonder how much he, how much longer he can really do a lot of physical action, stu- physical work, mm-hmm. you know, stunt work. Because, yeah, he is pushing 60. Forever. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess while we're, while we're sort of uh, correcting or, or uh, doubting the other's version of events, I was, I was understanding that, I think you said earlier when you were describing the plot at the very beginning, how he had been passed over for promotion, so he was continuing to fly. He wasn't really advancing in, in rank, you know, in the Navy. I had understood that that was like a deliberate Yeah, he wasn't passed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, I'm, he, he, he was, was avoiding, yeah. right? He loved, yeah. he just loved flying so much. Yeah. That's like, he just wants to do it his whole life. Yep. So, Which honestly, okay, so this actually brings me to their really smart choice with Maverick's character. Because, like, I feel like in a lot of sequels, especially now, you forget about all the character development that happened beforehand. And so you come into this movie, and, like, it's definitely Maverick doing Maverick things. We kind of mentioned that, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you got to love that stuff. But I love how the first thing that gets him, you know, like, in trouble um, was him doing something for the sake of a team which that was his lesson yeah. from the first one. And so I love yeah. how they showed, like, you know, he's he's just a person, right? You know, he's flawed, right? But, like, he's had this growth, and he is this hero that we can still like. We're just going to make him better. So, like, you know, because he wasn't wanting to progress, you know, he there's kind of this fear of, like, not doing things himself and, you know, not being able to teach, um, you know, like... It, it goes against his character a little bit, but through the course of this story, he's getting over that. He's um, le- letting go is one of the themes, right? And um, I just, I thought that was brilliant. And that's probably why this story is so strong and why it serves as such a great sequel that's so respectful and enjoyable, right? And that was yeah. probably one of the elements to the story side of things that was just, I don't know, one yeah. of the best things yeah, what- they did. Mm-hmm. One one thing I love about his character, and maybe this does reflect the maturity beyond the you know the 1986 version of Maverick, mm-hmm. is that he never does anything just either to be a rebel, like rebel just to be a rebel, yeah. <laughs> or for his own glory, like to show how cool he is. Exactly. It's all about um, showing like the team the team what they really can accomplish when they don't believe, or exactly. showing, for example, the higher ups, the bigwigs, like that this yeah. can be done. And of course, he has to do it in a way that's independent and unorthodox and maybe breaks a couple rules. I mean, there are at least three different scenes in this movie where he like flies something either he's not supposed to or he's doing something in there that he's not supposed to without getting into too much detail or he does it in a way that he was told not to. Yeah. Yet yeah. It's, it's, it serves like the greater good. Yeah. You know, so you can, mm-hmm. you can justify it. Well, it shows um, that like, you know, his greatest weakness yeah. is really his greatest strength, right? And that's what makes him such a lovable protagonist, that, that classic hero, right? So Right. No, and that's I guess that's why I say like I you know, the more I reflect on it, it feels like yes, it's a really good movie, yes, it's a really good action movie, but it feels like a throwback classic, even right. kind of a classic eighties action movie, which it's a sequel it to, right? So it makes yeah. sense that it would be you know, and, and I, I can't I can't explain that fully without without giving away some substantial things we don't want to give away sure. here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but there are, there, there are some things that happen in that movie that, that really just kind of echo of some of the, the classic 
kind of hero stories of, of, of past, you know, past efforts. I, I like to point out, you know, appropriateness of a movie, right? And it's like, um, yeah, there's definitely that action. It feels very intense at times, and um, there's your PG-13 language. Um, but something else that I really loved is that this movie probably has the greatest, like, quote, love scene I've ever seen. <laughs> and let me explain it because, like, as a girl, no, I know, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying. It is the gosh dang most romantic thing I have ever seen. <laughs> because, so, like, I mean, it's kind of implied, you know, with love interests, you know, like, oh, they're kind of getting close and everything. But like, their love scene is all just like, you know, them pretty modest and like, you know, just talking. And like, as oh, as a girl, that just. That is the sexiest thing you can see. It's like Tom Cruise just having a deep conversation with his love interest. Just, oh. So, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's a very safe kind of movie. And you, I, it was funny watching it because you kind of think about the first one. And it's like, oh, do we look away now? And Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. It was very clean no, in it... that regard. And I loved it. No, I, I <laughs> noticed that absolutely. I, I was more inclined to wonder if it was more of kind of a behind the scenes thing, you know, because I, I see Jennifer Connelly and it's like, oh, yeah, because she's married to Paul Bettany. Like, and that's, you know, they're this awesome couple and stuff. And maybe, you know, maybe they didn't want to do anything on screen and yeah. be respectful and all yeah. that. But, but the, the, I mean, the sum total of it was that, yeah, no, I mean, that was like, did they even kiss? Um, I don't know if they even kiss weird. in this movie. They do, they do kiss, but I almost, I, I almost agree, Danny. Like it, it seemed to be almost a deliberate choice to be, like, like, like how it's apolitical. It almost felt asexual, <laughs> and I'm not complaining, right? Like because I don't care to see all that stuff. But, but they really, as a girl, for a PG-13 movie. As a girl, you're gonna find yeah. that so attractive, though. Like that is—that's yeah. not asexual at all. That is like a true know strong not, romance, but... you know. And then I just—I but, but, yeah. but really such, love but that. But such an opposite to the first. What one. you normally see right? in movies today, yeah, it was so yeah. softened and yeah. so oh, yeah. just. Uh, no, in fact, you guys—you guys, you guys will laugh. I—I I put this in my review and then I took it out before I posted, because <laughs> uh, I figured I would bring it up in our discussion. Oh, but like, one of my my lasting memories of the first movie is uh so my first year of junior jazz youth basketball was in the fifth grade and at the end of our season we had a team party and we watched top gun because it was on video and so i have like this distinct memory of being like 10 years old sitting in because it was like one of my teammates his dad was the coach or something and so i remember sitting in their basement you know curled up on the you know with pillows and you know carpet and stuff watching that scene surrounded by a bunch of my junior jazz teammates yeah. and just, and just thinking, well, this is weird, you know, yeah. like, because, because it's not, I mean, it's still, it's, it's absolutely a PG 13 love scene, but mm -hmm. it's awkward enough that it's like, I, I think well, that's PG. weird. Well, was I mean, this was before, PG? this was when PG You know, you're right. You're right. I think it was before. a PG. But yeah, it was well, PG. Yeah. But it was it, it was, was definitely after PG thirteen, but I, I think you're right. right. I think it was a straight up PG movie. Because yeah. it was eighty four. Eighty four is when they started yeah, right. what led to the creation of PG thirteen was the Temple uh -huh. of Doom. Right. And this movie was But it 86. hadn't like figured itself out yet. So like I mean yeah. it definitely yeah. would have been a PG thirteen. So they hadn't quite decided whether Chick Kelly McGillis licking Tom Cruise's chest <laughs> in silhouette qualified for a more harsh rating oh, but you know what this is another thing where it's like being intentional right where it's like 
you know, they, they looked at the sequel and they're like, here are the things that were really good about it. And then here are the things that maybe weren't as good about it. And, but they didn't overcorrect either because they totally, and I was really worried because there was like uh, this one kind of plot element sort of thing where it's like, oh, this is going to be the whole feminist thing where it's like, you know, oh, these, these men of the old times, they were, you know, so sexist and offensive and everything. But it was more just kind of as a playful joke than anything, but I was worried because, you know, a lot of the times it's that overcorrection of, like, men suck, and it's like, I didn't want to watch that, and they didn't do that, and I was relieved, but um, I, I really, really liked how they they kind of corrected a little yeah. bit on that front, but yeah. Okay, well, good. So, all right, so so any negatives? Nope. Anybody anybody um, want to? <laughs> I, I don't know if this is a negative, but it seems, this is very interesting to me, um, and again, I'm trying not to do any kind of spoiler, but... For sure. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Think of the mission that they have to do in that movie, mm-hmm. and what is in this movie, and it's it's really really very similar. It almost seems deliberate to me how close. So it you're is. saying they ripped off Star Wars? I think they did. Yeah, <laughs> I think they did, which is fine. It's one of the best movies ever made, but it's very close. And now another yeah, thing. That's funny. That's funny. I mean. Maybe that's a more common like uh, military, you know, mission than than you think of. Like I don't know. Maybe that's just something that they do a lot. Well, they ha- I mean, they not, had to you know, make it <laughs> Star Wars. Well, but, to make yeah. it impossible, they had to make it very precise and very complicated, right? So, like, I mean, I, I guess yeah. that's kind of why yeah. it has that feel, right? What one thing I liked about it? It's really hard for me to say things I didn't like about it, but I'll think of something. Because there's but, nothing wrong with this movie, Josh. Another thing I liked about it <laughs> is you. You know how it's getting harder and harder to distinguish, maybe like Maverick and uh, Ethan Hunt. I mean, it really like it. So uh, yeah. several times in this movie, when they're talking about what they have to do, what their ultimate goal is, they're showing these, you know, like this footage of what's supposed to happen. Mm. And it reminded me almost like of an Ocean's Eleven type movie. Yeah. Or, or yeah, a Mission Impossible right, movie right. where, yeah. where it's like we, we, we as the viewer get to see what's going to happen or what we hope mm-hmm. is going to happen. Um, and then it's narrated. Usually there's a voiceover narrating it. They did that in this movie, too. And, it, and again, it helped. I mean, it helped us to kind of orient ourselves. Absolutely okay, this is where yes. we got to go. You know. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I agree. And, and I, I don't know. I think what's interesting about Tom Cruise is that he's demonstrated that he's capable of being a very distinctive and unique actor. But he's also a movie star, and so most mm-hmm. of the time he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. it's not it's not the that Pete Mitchell is Ethan Hunt, or that Ethan Hunt is Pete Mitchell. It's that they're both Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's that's what it is. Yeah. That's true. yeah. And I, I have um, no complaints about that. I mean, it's, yeah. He is, no, I yeah. And I I overwhelmingly I mean if it, if it's not obvious already I I really enjoyed this movie and can't wait to see it again and we'll probably sure. add it to the collection you know but. Uh, no, I, I do have to say, and, and this, this might even turn into kind of a backhanded compliment, but <laughs> I did feel like there were certain things, certain plot points that were predictable. Like there mm-hmm. were some, some things that I really did see coming. Yeah. Um, but they did it so well that they get away with it. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah. and that's that's why I say it's kind of like, I I was not... I think we're almost to a place, or at least I'm to a place where I kind of feel like I want to be surprised by the plot or I want to see something different. Mm -hmm. And the fact that things kind of fell into place the way that you would kind of expect made it predictable, but also kind of classic because it just, they did it so well. Yeah. 
I was kind of bummed that they didn't bring Meg Ryan back and that they didn't bring any of the female characters back from the movie, even though they brought some of the male characters. Yeah. I had heard that, like, it was, like, why do we have Jennifer Connelly in this movie, you know, and not any of the other female leads? And I thought it was just a a random character that they just made up for this movie. Mm -hmm. But apparently she's mentioned in the first movie. As the oh, daughter really? of an admiral, yeah. Her, she, I think she even mentioned her name, like Benjamin. So there's like a weird sort of throwaway mention in the first movie, and somehow they sort yeah. of maybe just shoehorned her in to be a the the main love interest in the sequel. You know, thirty some odd years later. Yeah, but, but I think you can still make the same point. But yeah, I mean, you know, th- there are some little things here and there that I wasn't crazy about. Uh, you know, like I said, a little bit with predictability. But even even with that, they just they pulled it off. This is. This is such a good and and this is I guess this is what is really kind of crazy for me is that even now Thor: Love and Thunder is far and away the movie I'm most excited to see, but it's gonna it's got its work cut out for it because Maverick is that good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I agree. Okay, so we have some time, a little bit of time, <laughs> and I thought we could you know we could maybe kind of reflect on. Uh, the 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 work of Mr. Cruz <laughs> just because no I mean I'm 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 watching this movie and I mean he obviously he, he looks great especially I mean for a guy on the verge of 60 he looks incredible and and you realize how young he was because it's it's not necessarily that he's old now because he doesn't look like an old man in this movie no. But then you go back and maybe Danny you can speak to this better than us because you've seen it the most recently but he is a child in that first movie <laughs> for sure i mean i want to what was his first i'm not sure if it was his first that was first movie, kind of his big but, breakout role though well no no yeah this one was but no i was what i was going to refer okay. to was the outsiders because i just read mm. um i read rob lowe's autobiography and he talks a lot about the production of the outsiders which was kind of like that first big movie for all those guys in the early 80s that was like 82 oh yeah 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 and and he talks about meeting tom cruise and it's hilarious because he describes him as exactly the guy that we've known for the last 40 years, you know, just kind of like this over the top, high adrenaline, aggressive, go getter, get out of his way, you know, and it's like, this guy has been doing it for decades, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, Mark, you kind of alluded to this before and, and, and I've wanted the same thing, like, you know, is he going to go out on a movie set somewhere? You know, like he's, he's, he's just going to try one stunt too many. Is, is that, mm-hmm. you know, you wonder about that. That's going to be Philly the way had to be shut down in uh, one of the mission impossible movies when he, the, the, yeah. The broke. last one that came out, the fallout. Oh, was it in fallout? Okay. It was, well, it's, so there's like one or two that are about to come out, but the last one that was in theaters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was that fallout. was fallout. That yeah. was number yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. He broke, broke his ankle jumping between buildings. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and then they, he, he, they had to like, shut down filming for a few weeks right i think they yeah. i think it was a huge deal um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that man's gonna die even set. even though he walked it off in the scene you can he see did. him hobble over you hobble can. <laughs> so so do you guys have a, a favorite tom cruise movie or is it um, kind of one of those things where he's kind of like he's he really kind of is tom cruise <laughs> every time and so they're interchangeable well, there, there are a lot where you know there's kind of a little bit of variety i i think he can play 
characters mm-hmm. a little bit, right? So, like, um, I in preparation for this, I finally got around to seeing War of the Worlds. I was trying to find Minority Report, and mm. I couldn't. Oh, wow. I just barely watched that, too. Really? Okay, yeah. Mm. So, like, yes. I mean... I mean, I, I've I seen it before, but I rewatched it. Yeah, like, but that one is a different kind of character. Jerry Maguire is kind of that same way. I really liked him in Far and Away. Yeah. Like, you know, I think there are some where, like, he does play a, a, a little bit of a different kind of character, or he'll play spins on a kind of character so like um yeah oh i wanted to talk about this one later because this one's one of my very top ones but edge of tomorrow where he plays a guy who's like he's like i'm not a military (laughs) guy you know he's like the face oh that's right right. it's a very against type But, but it works well because you know he's doing this repeat thing where he becomes this like you know really action hero kind of dude um but it but it's interesting how he kind of plays on it where it's like he had to grow into that. He had to become that Tom Cruise that we recognize, right? So, I don't know. He does a good job with that kind of stuff. Um, mm. One of my all-time favorites, this is just a family favorite, is um, Night and Day, where, again, oh. playing on that character, <laughs> where he's playing that stereotypical, you know, action spy dude, right? But it's uh, the movie yeah. is from, you know, kind of that female lead stereotypes point of view. And um, I just, I think that movie's hilarious, and he plays it so well. Like, he understands the kind of symbol he is. And it just, it makes that movie so fun. You know, it's, I'll try to be concise with this because I don't want to go off too, on too much of a tangent. Yeah. But, but bringing this up and talking about kind of who he is, yeah. this is such a perfect example. So I only saw Night and Day, I want to say once. It's a, it, him and Cameron Diaz. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a comic, you know, action, action comedy, right? And it's the first time I saw so, Paul Dano, too. I just want to throw that out. Was he in he that? Was okay, precious. gosh, it's been a while. So precious. So, that one. well, so so Diaz and Cruz, yeah. go on as as part of their publicity tour. They they appeared together on Top Gear. This old, uh, it was on uh, BBC for a long time. Uh, I, they yeah. might still be doing it, but the original uh, hosts have all kind of moved on. And and they were on this segment that they would do in the show every time where they would put a star in a what they called a reasonably priced car. And so they would have to get in this car and they would have to take a lap on their on their track as fast as possible. And the idea was, well, we're going to just stick you all in a Toyota Corolla and see who can take this crap car the fastest. <laughs> and, of course, Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. Um, I mean, if you want to watch the episode, I won't, I won't give away like his time or whether he, you know, cause they all, all the celebrities compete against each other. Yeah. Right. And so they have this board where they have everybody's times, but Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise takes the last corner and gets the car up on like two wheels <laughs> and almost rolls it oh my God. because he's so aggressive and so competitive. And, <laughs> and so that's, that's what I remember best about oh, that's so night and day funny. was that they wound up going on. Cause if you haven't, I mean, my gosh, you want to talk about potential tangents. Top Gear is one of the greatest shows ever. <laughs> but uh but his his appearance on it along and, and cuz usually they just do one one guest at a time, one celebrity guest, mm-hmm. but because they were together, it was both him and Cameron yeah. Diaz, which was just just a really a fun episode. <laughs> but uh anyway. Dang. I'll end that tangent <laughs> and bring it back. Um Mark, what what yeah. what are your favorite? Because because I, I was actually going to ask you, I haven't seen this, but when we're talking about kind of his more more uh, I don't know celebrated acting performances, did did he get nominated for Born on the Fourth of July? I never saw yes. the movie, but I want to say he got nominated for it, right? Yes, I was going to mention that. I've seen that movie. Um, it's really harsh uh, 
pretty violent. Uh, I mean, very. He's he's a VM, tough Vietnam to watch vet, right? War movie. Yeah, he's a, yeah. he plays a. It's a true story where he plays a a guy who's, and it's interesting because it's called Born on the Fourth of July, and he and Tom Cruise is actually born on July third. He's That's like born right. on the Fourth of July Eve, and he he plays this guy that goes off to war, and um, he wants to do right. You know, he wants to serve his country, and then he. Um, has an experience in the war that kind of changes him. And then by the time he comes home from the war, he, he completely becomes like an anti-war, I don't know, like kind of an anti-war crusader. Mm. And he's, he's paralyzed and he, you know, grows out his hair and has a long, just doesn't look much like Tom Cruise, like any Tom yeah. Cruise we've ever seen from the eighties. And the movie is from 1989 and he was nominated for best actor. He lost out to Daniel Day Lewis, who's also, Basically a quadriplegic. Oh, you know, was that my left foot? You can only move one foot. Yeah, my left foot. Oh, my goodness. That's right. So, I mean, I supposedly <laughs> one of the great, you know, physical acting performances of all time. Oh, no, it's, it's and, great, and, yeah. And Tom Cruise, and I haven't seen my left foot, but Tom Cruise did end up getting nominated a couple more times, including for Magnolia, which I, I love. And Jerry Maguire, um, But, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was nominated. In fact, did he get a nomination for Jerry Maguire? He did. In fact, that, okay. he was he was supposed. I mean, he was sort of a front runner, but he ended up losing. I think it was to Jeffrey Rush, but I, I can't remember for sure. But it was the if that was the year that Shine came out, it would have been Jeffrey Rush, um, uh, who played a pianist uh, in that movie. But yeah, I, Born on the Fourth of July is great. I mean, that's part of the Oliver Stone trilogy when he did Platoon, which won mm -hmm. Best Picture. Born on the Fourth yeah. of July won Best Director, and then I think Heaven and Earth was soon after that. But yeah, that was really, I, I remember even my dad talking to me, and I was pretty young, and, and my dad had talked about how this, like, he was a real, Tom Cruise was a really good actor. It wasn't just that he was kind of a new, uh, you know, a movie star, but, like, one of the best yeah. actors that yeah. we have after he saw that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want me to talk about some others? I, I, I love, well, I, have, I have a lot well, of do, I mean, favorites. Do you, do you have... Because honestly, as I'm listening to you guys, I'm having a tough time picking out a favorite. I mean, I have a lot mm. of favorite Tom Cruise movies, but I'm just I'm kind of asking myself, okay, well, so so when someone says Tom Cruise, what is the first movie that springs to mind, right? Mm. Because honestly, yeah. something like Top Gun could be a candidate like that, even For, though that's not my favorite Tom yeah. Cruise movie, mm. it might be as easy as anything else to use as a defining Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. The first thing that comes to mind, I mean, I love minority report so much that that, that usually comes to mind when I think great Tom Cruise movies and maybe it's more of a Spielberg, but it's, it's so good and he's really yeah, good. That's a good it. movie. Um, that's one that I love. I, you know, I rewatched that and I, I think of, I probably think of mission impossible maybe just cause he's so, there's so many of them now. It's like I mean, he's been making them for over 20 years, and they're they get they to me they get better and better. So maybe that's when my you favorite say franchise Cruise, of his for sure. Well, yeah, I would, well is, does he ha he doesn't have, have a lot one? of franchises? Does he? Yeah. I mean, Top Gun, I guess. Now. <laughs> well, Top I mean, Gun yeah, might be my Top favorite franchise now. <laughs> <laughs> but there has there has to be what else? No, I don't um, think so. I guess the I'm Mummy. Just, okay. The Mummy. <laughs> I haven't seen the mummy. There we go. Um, the mummy. Okay, a few good men. I've forgotten That's about that. Man. Oh yeah. A few good okay. men is another one to think about. Absolutely. That's, Last Samurai. Um, Interview with the Vampire. Rain Man. Great. These are some. These yeah. are some good ones. You know, I yeah, think. Last Samurai. I think it's funny, Mark, what you're saying about the Mission Impossible stuff, because like, so. 
and this is something I, I think with um, Tom Cruise a lot, like, you know, his movies are so enjoyable that you do typically go to them again. And, and you know, we talked about how, I, I can't remember if we said this live or if this was just when we were starting up, but just how he doesn't often make a lot of mov- a lot of money when the movies are released. Mm-hmm. It's, and I think it's because... Word of a, mouth, maybe? I think a lot of this is just... Um, I, I We had a lot of these on VHS growing up. And um, we had the first Mission Impossible. And I've seen that movie so many times. And I love it every single time it's referenced in another movie. I nev- That never gets old to me. I think that's just so fun. And um, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of the other Mission Impossible movies growing up. So, like, it was just that was the only one. And it's only recently that I've seen a lot of the newer ones. And they are very good. But there's just something about that first one that, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just those scenes and the... Even though, you know, they've definitely upped the ante in, in recent ones and they've made it more complex and more interesting. I just, I love that first one so much. Yeah. That one's probably, I, like, the Tom Cruise movie in my head. Yeah. Which is interesting because it came out the same year as Jerry Maguire. And there are probably people out there that would say Jerry Maguire is Tom Cruise. You know, mm. like, that's... But it's, I mean, definitely he's kind of an, he's, he's an action star in a lot of ways. And Jerry right. Maguire is not really an action movie, yeah. but yeah, he's got a lot of memorable lines in that. And, yeah. and, uh, I mean, that movie is very quotable. Okay. So, um, so I, I buzzed through his IMDB page <laughs> and it's crazy because I totally didn't think this was the case, but until Top Gun Maverick and, uh, also we've got a rumored sequel to Live, Die, Repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, the Formerly edu- known edu- as Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Live, yeah. Die, Repeat, uh, and Repeat is what yeah. it says on there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, no, that's uh, Mission Impossible is his only like established franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also yeah. reminded me of Cocktail, which, you know, is certainly a candidate for my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Well, that's ah, Cruise- a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I know, but I was, I, I haven't seen Cocktail, but I have seen Iron Man, and Tom Cruise was, he was either, like, considered or offered the role. I think he was offered the role, and he oh, turned yeah. it down. Um, oh, wow. And he, he's, so he's never done, that's interesting, he's never gotten into any of the big, big franchises, like the superhero yeah. Isn't that such a Maverick thing? Like, he wants to still be Captain? He just wants to be doing his little action <laughs> hey, <movies>. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is kind of, huh? Yeah. There we go. There we go. I mean, yeah. Rain Man's another one that right. I yeah. think is a great movie, yeah. and he is, uh, you know, I know that Dustin Hoffman gets all the praise for his performance, and I think he might have won the Oscar, um, and he, because he plays, you know, uh, uh, savant um kim peaks based on uh, kim peaks i believe um yeah but like tom cruise is great he has to go through such a transformation in that movie too right like he's he's the one that he you know he's kind of the selfish arrogant and, and uh brother that has to kind of learn to set aside his own worldly interests and take care of his brother and He's got a lot of. Uh, it's an. It's a good movie. I, I really liked Rain Man. Did uh, Did either of you guys see Tropic Thunder? Yes. Because he yeah. he just has a a supporting role <laughs> in that movie under heavy heavy latex. Um, <laughs> right. Border borderline unrecognizable. 
Um, but as far as a performance that is not just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise, yeah. He, that, That's an he, example. He's, he's funny in that. I mean, that, that was really playing against type, right? Yeah. Like, just oh, yeah. cover yourself in heavy makeup, just swear like crazy, scream and shout, and... And um, and they, I think and they even made him bald. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. danced, yeah. and then they made no, him bald. No, because there's a dance scene at the end. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say because was was it Christopher Walken? Because I I keep hearing about like these little little things where Christopher Walken always tries to find a way to dance in his movies, and Tom Cruise <laughs> always tries to find a way to ride a motorcycle. And, oh. You know, and you were talking about like Kaczynski always has some kind of a flying element to his movies right. or something, right? So I didn't know if people and, have their but, signatures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I thought there was something significant to the fact that Tom Cruise was dancing in Tropic Thunder, but I can't remember exactly what it might have been. I don't know. Um, have you ever seen Magnolia? No, no. Uh, so now, so I know that one of them is a uh, Cameron Crowe movie. And one and the other one oh, is it Paul Vanilla Thomas Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Vanilla Sky is Cameron Crowe. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson did Magnolia. Well, and and uh, Jeremy Maguire is is uh, Cameron. Oh, that's Crow. Cameron Crowe. Yeah, yeah. Which I've seen. I have I have not seen Vanilla Sky, but because I know that because there are these two movies that kind of came out around two thousand, give or take, mm. and I have not seen either one of them. Yeah, um, I haven't seen Vanilla but, Sky, uh, but I do hear them referred to periodically. Yeah, Magnolia is interesting because. It's one of the first movies where he's not, because he was such a star for so long, starting with Top Gun, and it's an ensemble piece, so it has a huge cast of characters, and they're they're brought together through you know through family relations and stuff, but mainly through themes, um, like the movie is about, for example, estrangement between fathers and children, and and how it happens and kind of affects through different generations or different different characters in the movie and. He has he plays this kind of really damaged but highly successful seduction expert who like sells these videos, sells these tapes that teach guys how to seduce women. And he's just horrible, very misogynistic, very just filthy. And um, there's a scene where he has to confront like a dying like a, his father who's dying who um, and I've heard that it's a very personal to him because he has a bad relationship with his own father in real life. Mm. Tom Cruise does. Mm. So it's, it's a hard to watch scene because it's like his own, his father in the movie is dying and he's basically like pouring out all of his emotions on the, on, the, on his deathbed. And, you know, you see this vulnerability for the first time in the movie of this, like, uh, like I said, he's, he plays a seduction expert that that's kind of, semi-famous or maybe infamous in the movie. Right. Um, and it's a very unusual turn for Tom Cruise. I think when it came out, in fact, it was the same year as Eyes Wide Shut, which I haven't seen, but it's a, like, he started to get away from more his more traditional, like, leading man type roles, you know, yeah. more clean cut with a little bit of an edge or a little bit of a maverick side of him. But um, it's a great, it's a really great movie. Uh, yeah. and, but I... Yeah. So, okay. So I have a specific question for each one of you and I want to ask the one to Danny first. Okay. So, so when you were introduced to Tom Cruise, uh-huh. either formally or informally, now, now I apologize if you have already kind of referenced this when you're talking about like the original, being a fan of the original Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. Did his off-screen persona slash... <laughs> antics 
did that play any did that factor into your first impression? Like, has, has that colored your impression of him at all? Not at all, because I feel like a lot of that stuff was going down when, like, when I wasn't following celebrities. Okay. Because, so, like, that was, like, early 2000s. It's kind it was of like, like mid, mid-2000s. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, when mm-hmm. he's, like, jumping up on the couch and, like... And then by the time I saw those old clips, I already kind of had it in my head that celebrities were crazy. Uh, and okay. so, like, you know, all the Scientology stuff. Like, I'm just like, yeah, go figure. You know, like, I, it's never yeah. affected well, me, I don't and, think. And the, and the reason I ask is because, you know, it, to, to even a, a higher degree, I think that this is an interesting thing to consider with somebody like Michael Jackson. Because his, his persona, his public persona, changed so dramatically mm. over, you know, I mean – and, I, and Mark, I don't know if I don't know if you can echo this or not, but I have very clear and vivid vivid memories of of the Thriller era with Michael Jackson when he was just this incredible performer. And even if you listen to oldies all the time, you still knew everything about th- you know Thriller and Billie Jean and and all this stuff. And and all of the controversy so completely derailed that. That I just feel like anybody kind of born after a certain year has no idea what that guy was, mm-hmm. and and because it was so eclipsed by all the eccentricities and all of the the, the legal issues and the controversy and yeah. all this, and and to the point where I remember uh, shortly before his death, a documentary came out that I believe was called "This Is It," that was about him preparing for a new tour. And mostly concentrated on kind of like preparing the the dance uh, performance, you know, the stage, uh, the stage uh, show. And you watch that and it's it's kind of like you just suddenly remember, oh, yeah, this is why he's famous. That's why we know this guy. This Mm -hmm. is this is why he's such a big deal is because he's, you know, because you had so forgotten everything, you know, all of the kind of the the good stuff. And, and so I kind of wonder if depending on when you, you know, come into somebody's career, like, you know, to a lesser degree with Tom Cruise, right? Like, cause if you, if you were just kind of coming of age when he's jumping up on Oprah's couch, Mm -hmm. you're not thinking of Maverick, right? You're not thinking of interview with the vampire and, and mission impossible. You're thinking, Oh, he's, this is that guy who's like really into Scientology and saying nasty things about people who go to psychiatrists and yeah, you know. And so, so yeah. my question, so that's no, my no, question that's for Dan. That's very interesting. Then, yeah. Yeah, but but then my question for Mark, which is related, is: Do you think he has officially emerged past that, or do you think there are still a lot of people who just kind of, you know, subconsciously roll their eyes and it's like, oh, Tom Cruise, yeah, he's, you know. I think my I response think, answers that, that a little. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think he's such a big star that he's, he's earned, like he has enough good credit to outweigh the bad credit. And and also the fact that he's been smart enough to not do wildly inappropriate or weird things in public for like 14 or 15 years now (laughs) has helped because that, I guess the Matt Lauer thing where he made fun of psychiatry and got really mad at Matt Lauer and the couch jumping thing, they weren't that far apart, if I remember. They were like within. Yeah, two or they three were years all kind of other. the same period. So it feels yeah. like and, a phase. And then also this, yeah. his yeah. marriage and and divorce from Katie Holmes, where 
apparently she was harassed and bothered and yeah. uh, by Scientology members and and he has a kind of almost an unhealthily close relationship with David Miscavige who's sort of like the the head of Scientology and has been for decades um, and and so there's a lot I've read about that it's just yeah it's unpleasant and I I kind of assume it's true but I just don't yeah. like I don't let it really affect Tom Cruise the movie star in my view you know in my mind like he still makes great movies it's just like how I a lot of my favorite bands, like I disagree with them politically, but I just I don't care enough to like not listen to their music or even go to their concerts. You know, because otherwise I mean? there would be nobody left. Right. That's that's my whole point. Right. Yeah. I don't have the uh, <laughs> the fortitude. Like the I, I'm not principled enough to just avoid like watching movies and listening to music. You know, if I really because I just love it too much. And I'll, I mean, I'm going to go see Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part One, probably the first week or two it comes out, you know, Absolutely. next yeah. year. Yeah, and well, so and yeah, I, it doesn't it doesn't really affect me. And it seems to me like based on how this Top Gun movie is doing with a hundred fifty six million dollar opening over Memorial Day weekend, people are just they love him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. I I think that it's 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 moved past that. But it was it seemed like such a significant thing that that I've I've wondered. Yeah, you know, if if people yeah. do still kind of have that in the back of their mind, but uh, and I don't know, I mean, because I, I I certainly don't excuse any you know improprieties or yeah. or you know inconsiderate stereotypes and and opinions and stuff like that. But the thing that I keep coming back to is that you know for all of the the weirdness of like you know which which is really just kind of standard in Hollywood anyway. Yeah. The thing I keep coming back to is that this guy, it's it's hard to think of someone who is more perfectly tailored to his job than an adrenaline junkie <laughs> who is just obsessed with giving the audience the craziest, most authentic, over-the-top visual cinematic experience possible. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I... It, I mean, it's it's it obviously has kind of a, a corny tinge to it, but like, I just appreciate what the guy does to entertain me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the way yeah. that, and and I, I I mean, it's like I say, it's it's conveniently enough, it ties into his his personal adrenaline junkie personality, yeah. mm-hmm. but you know, I I do enjoy being the beneficiary of that, even if uh, even if one day it does wind up right. going yeah. horribly wrong. Right. Right. And and I don't know that. Uh, and, and also, maybe, maybe I mean, he's okay with that. Maybe he's come to grips with that. <laughs> yeah, and and kind of going back to like what you mentioned with Michael Jackson, like, I mean, comparing the two, if if what you hear about Michael Jackson is true versus like what we hear or know about Tom Cruise being true, I mean, Michael Jackson, it, it was much much worse. You know, like that's oh yeah, almost unforgivable. And yet, I well, I remember going with my wife and seeing this is it in the theater. Um, and it was with a tinge of sadness because it was right oh, after yeah. he died. Mm-hmm. But it was a great documentary, and it's and it's just about the music and the concert preparation. I mean, that really the whole documentary, and it's almost from the point of view of, well, not some of it is from the point of view of the dancers and the court and the people mm-hmm. who are like in the show with him, and how that's just they're so excited to do it, and it's such it's like the opportunity of a lifetime, and it's all about him, choreography, you know, doing the choreography and telling people where to go, and then you see him doing some rehearsals and 
it's really good. Like it sounds yeah. like it would be boring, and it just wasn't. It wasn't boring no. at all for us, you know. Not at all. Um, but then everything you hear about with the uh, after the release of um, Finding Neverland, I mean, it's just icky, you know. And so yeah. that definitely colors my opinion of Michael Jackson. But it was more, at least it was solidified more after his death than it was before. You know. And I think also, like, the music lives on, right? And so there's sort of, you know, yeah. Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. the person, but there's also Tom Cruise, like, the actor and his work, just like there's Michael Jackson, the, the yeah. artist, right? And so mm -hmm. I think that's the thing for me. It's like, w do I think that I would want to have a personal relationship with Tom Cruise? Probably not. But that's the same case for, like, all celebrities. Like, I, I just, I don't think there's yeah, really a celebrity I'd want <laughs> to be close with, minus like a couple where it's like, oh, you know, they, they seem like a cool person, right? But I just, yeah. but you know, I love movies. I love their work. I love what they're able to do. So I think that's kind of what it comes down to for Tom Cruise. Well, it's a, I, I think it's a question we all have to reconcile at some point. If you're, <laughs> mm -hmm. if you're a fan of movies, if you're a fan of the arts, I think you eventually you know, if or, or let me put it this way: if you're enough of a fan that you are the kind of person who gravitates toward or just learns about or is interested in the artists themselves, mm -hmm. you eventually come to that point where you're going to have to say, "Okay, is there is there a problem with me enjoying this person's work in spite of what I know mm -hmm. about?" their personal life, their personal opinions, their behaviors, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, not the subject I expected to finish on, but <laughs> here we are. Um, any, any final thoughts or, or statements or feelings about, uh, about Maverick or Tom Cruise or anything we've covered? Just uh, go see it in the theater. This is a perfect example of a movie that should be seen in a theater. Um, yeah. Yeah. Biggest yes. screen, best sound 100%. you can get. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because that, that really was one of the big takeaways that I had was that, you know, this one, absolutely worth the first run, primetime, IMAX, you know, the premium. Get, your, get yourself a nice <laughs> recliner chair and uh, live, live it up because this, mm -hmm. this is a special movie. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, thanks. So this has been Danny Hatch and Mark LaRocco and myself, Josh Terry. This has been the Utah Film Pod. Thank you for spending time with us. And by all means, subscribe to our podcast. Leave comments on the episodes that are already out there. We'd love to hear from you. We look forward to giving you more material soon. And until then, have yourself an excellent beginning of the summer. Mm -hmm.